Hello and welcome to the Rookie Curse Podcast. My name is Andrew. Uh, I just want this to be a fun Sixers-focused podcast that I can use just to get my thoughts out about the team, things I like, things I don't like, etc. I've been doing a general NBA podcast with my friend for about a year ago. It's called the SQ Sports NBA Podcast. Um, And I've noticed throughout the past year that we've been recording it, uh, which is kind of crazy to me that we've been doing it for a year now, but every time the Sixers are brought up, uh, I kind of tend to rant not even in a negative or positive way specifically, just like, obviously, I watch the Sixers more than I watch any other team. I just don't have time to watch every single team in the league. Um, I do watch a lot, but obviously, my first priority is watching the Sixers when it comes to watching basketball. Um, and I would just, whenever the Sixers were brought up, I kind of just went on and on about really minute stuff, like, you know, like, We'd be talking about the Sixers in context, like among as, as a contender in the playoffs, um, and I was like talking about Jonah Bolden, like in depth. Um, and you know, I really like Jonah Bolden, and I think he could be good. But like, you know, regular NBA fans don't care about Jonah Bolden. Sixers fans don't even really care about Jonah Bolden, um, unfortunately. <laughs> but. You know, I was just doing that a lot, just, like, bringing up really small stuff. And then I was also comparing a lot of, you know, other players and teams, just kind of, like, comparing it to my view of the Sixers, um, which was just, like, you know, the Sixers are, are an interesting team, but, you know, not everyone cares about them, as at least as much as I do and we do as fans. But, um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I just want to focus my Sixers takes on here. Obviously, I mean... If you're going to listen to the other podcast, well, we're not. I'm not going to not talk about the Sixers if they get brought up, but I'm just going to be a little bit more focused um, on the Sixers as a as a just another team on that podcast. But on here, all about the Sixers. Uh, some background, I guess. I was born in Philadelphia. Um, I'm 20 years old, and I lived in South Jersey for 12 years, and then in 2011 I moved to Florida, where I've lived ever since. I go to school here, um, and you're probably thinking it's it's weird for a 20 year old to have two podcasts and it is trust me I know it's weird um but you know I'm not a professional or anything I'm just doing this for fun and I'm also studying uh communications and journalism because it's just been a passion of mine for a really long time and you know it's just a good exercise for me to get my Sixers thoughts and opinions out um and just have fun like it's it's sports it's supposed to be fun so I really just want to flesh out my ideas for the Sixers because like I, I feel like they're a, a really to me, they're interesting just because they've been my favorite team since I was a kid. But, you know, just in general, there's a lot of weird, interesting stuff that goes on with the Sixers. And so they're kind of like the perfect team to do a podcast about. And I know I'm not the only person doing a Sixers podcast. Far from it. Um, but I don't really care because I'm me and I like to have fun. And I think it's going to be fun. And I've said that a million times now. But, you know, it's just it's going to be fun. So I figured why not start with just kind of a preseason wrap-up. Uh, it's Monday night, the 21st of October tonight. Uh, so the season starts in two days. Preseason ended on Friday. And I think the main takeaway most people have had, even like some of the national media has kind of caught on to it, is just how good Matisse Thybul already is, uh, specifically on defense. He's, he's unreal on that end. Um, it's, I've, I've never seen someone in their first year play 
just like just you can tell he knows what he's doing on that end already. Like he's so active, he's so, he just thinks like two plays ahead, which is just it's weird seeing it. Like you can already tell, and it makes watching defense a lot of fun. Like he gets a lot of steals, he blocks a lot of jumpers, which is awesome and like kind of mind blowing a little bit. Um, and offensively, you know, he's fine. Like, uh, like his, his draft value kind of tanked. I mean, he went 20th, which is still really high, but you know, he, like, I, I always thought like, man, he has one of the most important skills you can have, um, or at least most valuable skills you can have, which is just defending. Like it's, it's not easy to be a good defender in the NBA. There's not many good defenders and he's already so good at defending that it's just, it's 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 mind blowing, and you know he's twenty two. He's not a rookie. Yeah, he is a rookie. He's not a like a he wasn't like a freshman in doing this. If he was a freshman, I think I I don't think it's possible. But um, he's already so good on that end, and I was, it was just kind of puzzling the way a lot of people talked about him. You know, he's not a creator. He's not like an ace playmaker. He's not a knockdown shooter, but he's a competent shooter. And if you can defend at an elite level and shoot competently and you know, move off the ball competently, which he can. He's already made a lot of really good cuts. Um, he's had a lot of dunks. He's had a few and ones. And he's hit some threes. Like, he had a step-back three. Well, you know, it was an open step-back three. But he hit a step-back three, which you like to see. His form isn't perfect. He has a bit of an elbow flare. His footwork isn't always perfect. But, you know, it's smooth. It's one motion. It's nice. That's all you can ask, especially with this team and their rookies in recent years. All you can ask, competent shooter. So I, I really just loved what I've seen from Matisse. And I was a Matisse truther coming out of the draft, but, like, I didn't even, I didn't even really see this coming. Um, like, I'm kind of thinking about last year. You know, last year in, in training camp and preseason and early in the season, obviously a lot of the focus was on Fultz. But, you know, watching Shamit last year in those specifically those China games, and he was like, man, this guy can really, really shoot. And he just looks like he's playing rotational minutes already. Um, and nobody, I didn't even know who he was, I'll be honest, on draft night. I'd never heard of him. I didn't even remember hearing about him in, in uh, like, scouting reports and stuff. I didn't know who Landry Shamit was. And he just looked so comfortable, and he looked so confident shooting. And it caught my eye, but it's different with Matisse, because Matisse, like, it's just, it's just kind of, it's just weird, and it's kind of hard to describe, but it, it's just a certain thing about him, certain kind of glow, I guess. And maybe, you know, he's, we're all going to look at him with rose-colored glasses. He's a rookie, and he seems like a, like a, just a great guy, great presence in the locker room. Like, he's always smiling. He always just seems like a, a really positive dude. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be times where he can't hit a shot and can't do anything on offense, and it's going to suck. But for now, just absolutely loving what I've seen from him, and I'm really excited. And it really, you know, the last two years, they've drafted really well for where they've been and, you know, the, the move Brett Brown made to move down, like I, you know, Zaire hasn't shown anything, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, he seems like someone I just think is going to be good, I guess. And Matisse has been good and Shannon was obviously great. And even shake was a 54th pick and he might be a contributor, which is like, you know, it's kind of an outlier for a, a, a late, late second round pick. So moving on, Obviously, I think the second best thing about the preseason was just that Ben finally did it. He finally hit a three. People, you know, you kind of wish that they didn't have to freak out like that. But it makes it fun 
It's sports. It's fun. Just let people have fun. It was a cool moment. Ben obviously wasn't thrilled that people were going crazy, but you know what? I don't really care. Like, it finally happened. He knows about it. He knows He knows the deal. Like, he's not dumb. Um, and the people that are just ragging on fans for, for uh, just getting excited, like, you can't do the thing where you clown Ben Simmons literally every waking moment, even if he scores 30 points in a game in a playoffs game, which he did. Um, and he's had a lot of great playoff games and really good playoff series before. Um, but you can't, you can't be so relentless with the hate about Ben and then get m- mad when people get excited that he showed a little bit of progress as a shooter. Like, you can't have it, you can't have it both ways. I'm sorry. You just can't. Um, and I think, I think he looks more comfortable. I don't think he's going to be good at shooting. I don't think he's ever going to be a good shooter. I think he can be a competent shooter. And if he is, like, he's an he's a easy top what, 11, 10 player, something in that range. Um, which is just, it's, it's, it's mouthwatering. And I, he knows it. Like, you don't, you know, his shot's still ugly. It's not, it doesn't look good. His elbow's way out, and his body's always torqued. But, like, I don't even care. It's, it looked, it was one motion, he looked comfortable doing it, which is all that really matters to me. And then versus Charlotte, um, nobody was watching the game. Even Bleacher Report probably wasn't watching the game, which is why they didn't post about it the way they did about Ben's jumper, his, uh, his three. But against Charlotte, he hit a jumper on a, fa- on a it, it wasn't a fast break, it was like a you know half transition thing. With 19 seconds left on the shot clock, and he put up with confidence over someone and sank it. And that was, and it didn't look that much different than his other jumpers have looked in the past. You know, he's taken, his rookie year, he took a lot of jumpers, you know, relative to what he did, you know, what he usually does. Um, and he looked really confident doing it. And if he can just hit that 15-footer at a decent rate and then hit threes when he's wide, wide open, or at least shoot them when he's wide, wide open, so he has to make them respect him a little bit as a shooter, it just opens up so much because he looks better. That's the thing. Like, he looks better in every other aspect. He looks better finishing. He looks better as a leader. Um, he looked even more comfortable on defense. And his handle looked better. And if his, ha- his handle is, if it, if it really is improved and his shots improved, then that's so lethal because he can just be the guy that gets you a bucket and a pinch. Which, you know, he, he's been underrated in terms of, like, getting where he needs to go and finishing, like, getting into the post and finishing with his his little hook shot thing. But if he can, if he can do that, and then if he can get his free throw to like 66, 67 instead of 60, which I think, I think deep down Ben's a a solid free throw shooter. Like I I just, I, I can, there are times where he goes like nine for 10 and then like 10 for 13 or something. But then he has games where he goes like one for seven. I know it's variants and stuff, but it's, it's just maybe because I pay so much attention to it, but it does seem like there's a little thing going on. But over, I'm, I'm very excited for Ben, and I think it's... I like the mindset. I like the answers he's been giving because it, I always liked him, but there was always this kind of, like, weird thing about him, and, you know, he, he is a, he's an arrogant guy in a good way. It's not a bad thing, but there was a little bit of a pride thing with, you know, his shot and the way it was treated. Um, but I think that... I feel like he kind of just let loose in summer. Which is good, um, and I'm happy. I'm happy for him if he's uh, in a better spot because he did say that uh, there was kind of a lack of joy 
in the last year. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not there in the locker room every night. But moving on to other things I liked in preseason, Horford looked great. I don't even really even have that much to say about Horford. Like I've, I've praised him a lot. He's so good, and he just he. I've never seen a player just know what he needs to do like that. And it's kind of like it was frustrating because he was always, you know, he didn't lock down and be, but he did a better job than pretty much everyone else. Um, and it's just it's really pleasant kind of to watch when he's on your team. Like, you know, I, I have no worry about Al Horford, ever. Obviously, he's not... There are guys that are too tall for him or too quick for him, but, you know, he just does everything well. And it's, he's been pretty, you know, confident-looking shooting, um, which is good, which you like to see. And his passing's great. His screen setting's great. He, he ran the floor with Ben a couple times. He caught a couple oops. Um... I'm really excited for Ben Horford lineups, which I think is it's going to be pretty frequent because it just lets Ben do it. It's kind of like having it like when Ben was on that crazy tear in the end of his rookie year and they were playing a lot with Ilyasova, or maybe they would move Dario to the five every once in a while. Like, you know, Ben with a with a shooting five is like really lets him do whatever he wants, and that that was rookie Ben. Like he's better now; he's a lot better. So that's, that's just really exciting. And the other new addition, Josh Richardson, always been a really big Josh Richardson fan. Didn't know how much I would like him as a person before we got to the Sixers, just because I didn't, never paid attention. He's a funny guy. He's a smart dude, if you hear him talk. Um, very witty. And I think, well, you know, he's had a couple off-shooting nights, but I think part of it is, like, he... It's good that he can play point guard in a pinch, but I wouldn't really prefer it. I'd rather just run with Neto or Burke. And he looked really good playing next to Ben. And if, like, Ben and shooters is, like, if you're a shooter, you have to love Ben. Like, how can you not love Ben? He'll get you whatever look you want. And, um, you know, I don't think, you know, when you, when, when you think about 3 and D guys, like, and Richardson is one, um, I feel like kind of, like, right now the Holy Grail, I guess if you count Clay, but Clay's more than a 3 and D guy. The Holy Grail 3 and D guy right now is Cuff which kind of hurts. Um, miss that guy a lot. And I don't think Richardson's as... He might be a better shooter than Covey. They're probably about even. They're both a little streaky, but I think Richardson is a bit more dynamic, I guess, as a shooter. And I think Cove's a better defender just because he's bigger and he has more length. Um, and he's just so, like, reckless. He's not reckless. He's, uh, I don't know, he's just so attentive in passing lanes and it's weird how good he is. It's just weird when it's just weird when I think about the really bad Sixers teams. I'm like, wow, this guy actually turned out great. But Richardson being able to handle the ball at all is a good thing, and he can do it at a decent level. Like he's improved a lot. He's averaged four assists a game last year. He can, he can, you know, he can run some pick and roll stuff. He can do some just some stuff with the ball, which is all we needed from Cove. Um, and that makes up for like his slightly worse defending. Maybe not slightly worse. Maybe it's just worse. Which is saying something because Richardson's a great defender and he can handle the ball and he can shoot it. But he's not... He's not going to worry about getting shots, you know? Like, he knows what he has to do. And he's going to get a lot more open looks. Like, his percentages dipped a little bit last year in Miami because... Especially after he started so well because, you know, he was running a lot of offense, but then defenses... He's not... He was overtaxed. 
he he should not have should not have been doing that. But you know, I'm I'm just really excited for Josh, and he's he he makes you uncomfortable when he guards, in a good way. Like I would hate, you know, I would hate to be guarded by any NBA player that that's not fat or not fat, you know, big too big to. I could just run around, I guess, in like a pickup setting. But Josh would like just drive you nuts because he'll just stay on you the whole time. He'll get under your skin, and he'll and he's like animated. So, yeah, I'm I'm uh, really, you know, losing Butler sucks, but I'm glad I'm glad. Once I heard Richardson was in the deal, I kind of just like moved past Jimmy just because I was like, I get at that point I kind of knew they were getting Horford um, and Tobias back. So speaking of Tobias, it's been it's been shaky. He had a good game for Charlotte, and he had a good game for Orlando, but his last two games, he just can't hit shots. He's only made, like, one three in his last two games. And, you know, Tobias has shot not a good percentage with the Sixers uh, since he got there. He shot 32%. He was at 43.4% with the Clippers um, before the trade. But it's not as bad as people make it out to be because his first 18 games with the Sixers, which is... His first game versus Denver, and then the Celtics game where Jimmy hit the game winner. He shot 37% from three on five attempts a game, 5.4 attempts a game, which is a lot, not a lot. It's almost one more game than he did with the Clippers. With the Clippers, he shot 4.7 a game. And he averaged 19.6 points and 8.1 rebounds and 2.8 assists. And he shot 50% from the field and 37% from three and 86% from the line. That's, if Tobias does that this year, we're set. That's all we want. And that, those were his first 18 games. So that's when he was still getting acclimated. Um, and then the next nine games, from the Atlanta game to Miami game, he didn't play in the last game of the season. The Miami game that apparently, you know, was the part of the reason Jimmy left, which is just, you know, great. Um, those nine games, he shot 21% from three. 21 on four attempts a game. So that's 36 threes pretty much, or basically around that. A little bit more. 38 or whatever. That's that's going to that's going to take your percentage down. Okay? And obviously variance is a thing, but like 21% is a major major outlier. Okay? And you know, he wasn't perfect from 3 in the playoffs. He was 50% versus Brooklyn and then high 20s versus Toronto pretty much all stemming from game four when he went two for 13. And that sucked because, you know, if he goes three for 13 or four for 13, that kind of changes the whole game. That was a rough game. And they if they win that, they probably win the series. Um, but you live and you learn, all right? And then in the preseason, some of it is just he went to Mike cold. And maybe he's not a 43% shooter, but I do think he's a high 30s, low 40s shooter from three. And I think we'll figure it out. And I think when Ben comes back on Wednesday, because uh, Ben's set the last two preseason games, Tobias is going to look a lot better. All right. I'm not really worried about that. Did they overpay Tobias? Yes. Did they probably give up a little too much in the trade? Probably. But I'm, I'd rather have Tobias than not have Tobias. And with the way the Sixers cap situation is, it doesn't even, I don't really care how much they're paying him. I just, they're going to try to win the title right now. I don't really care. And, you know, he's only 20. He just turned 27. He's gotten better every year. There's still room for growth. And now he'll have the full year in Brett's system with a team. Um, and I do think he looked better defensively, which is good. And he's not like a ball stopper, so it's not like if he's not scoring, like he can't do anything. And he's a good rebounder. Like, Tobias, 
I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird way people treat him, I guess. But, you know, I'm not trying to baby him. With uh, I don't know. I just I, I get kind of offensive just because I really like him. So to the bench, uh, Scott and Ennis looked whatever in the preseason. I don't really, you know, Mike's a shooter and Ennis is a hustle guy. Love Mike. Mike's gonna be more important, but uh, Ennis is Ennis is good. Ennis Ennis looked pretty good. I thought he didn't shoot well, but I thought he looked pretty good. The backup point guard race is. I don't even think it's that much of a race. I feel like they're just gonna go with whoever's one, whoever's hot, or two. Whatever the, the situation calls for. Because, like, if you need the bucket getter, then you throw in Trey Burke. And if you need someone to jumpstart your offense a little bit or, you know, set guys up or hit the occasional three. You know, I mean, Burke in at threes, but I'd uh, NATO's the guy. Um, and they'll run uh, they'll run Richardson out there a little bit, and they'll run Shake, even though I think Shake's more of a two. But, you know, it's like they're fine. A little small. I'd rather one of them be, like, you know, a little bit taller. But they play hard. Like I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. And they're new guys. Like they need. Not everyone's just plug and play. All right. It takes. And not everyone's Bell and Ellie. Or you can just come into the team and apparently you're like basically JJ Redick light. It, it takes some time, um, especially because for Neto, because he's been in one team his whole career. And Burke's been in some weird situations. So, that's interesting. And then I guess the last point. Or anyone else? Oh, I mean Zaire. I'm not worrying about Zaire. He looks he, he looked better the last two games and he's twenty. He's younger than me. I can't I can't I don't have the the energy to get to get upset about Zaire Smith. Um if he sucks next year and the year after that, alright, he sucks. But you know, it's uh I j I can't I can't worry about that. Kylo Quinn has been great and I I it's a little bittersweet because, like, man, why wasn't this guy in the Sixers last year? Like, he wasn't even playing in Indiana. I know Indiana probably didn't want to trade him to, like, a conference rival, even though after Oladipo got hurt, they probably should have because they weren't even playing him. Great passer. Decent shooter. Decent enough, you know? Like, he'll, he'll make the open ones, I guess. And an active and solid rebounder and defender, which is, like, all they needed versus Toronto. Like, they just needed a competent backup, and he could have been that for 10 minutes a game. And they didn't have it, but I'm glad he's on the team now because I don't. I don't think I think when in the playoffs they'll run Horford and Embiid. Uh, most of the game, like they'll they'll run Horford at the five a lot when Embiid's out. But <clears throat> excuse me. Um, during the regular season, they probably want to you know limit it, I guess, um, and run Horford at the four. And having no Quinn is just great. Just it's just a great great guy to have and he seems like a, a great locker room guy um and a really funny guy if you follow him on social media and look at it and watch his interviews like he's really quirky and funny which is a good good sign because last year there was you know two years ago I thought the culture was like amazing this is all from an outside perspective I'm not there every day I have no idea okay I'm not trying to start anything no one's gonna listen to this anyway so I don't, it doesn't matter if I start anything but you know, um, there was, like, a, a weird tone before Let's Bias trade, I thought. And then before that, like, Boston win, it was a little weird. It was it's there's been so much stuff going on. I, I don't blame them for, you know, some of them just kind of doing their own thing. But, so, yeah, that's, that's really all I have to say about preseason. I, if there's one concern I have with this team, it's shooting. 
uh, which, you know, it's not really that crazy of a take. They need another shooter, as maybe, you know, every team in, in preseason says how much they love their roster, but they need a guy that can come off a screen and hit a three pretty badly because so much of their offense was around the Reddick and B dribble handoff last year, which is fine because it was a super efficient play and Reddick's an all-time great shooter. But, and now they're trying to, you know, start running a little bit different of an offense and it looks a little bit clunky right now. Like, I can't lie. Things take time. It's October. It needs to be good in April and May and June, not October. So... But it wouldn't hurt to have this guy that can come off a screen, hit a three. I still really want them to get Bellinelli. He's kind of getting buried in San Antonio. They have a lot of guards now. And he knows the system, and he can still shoot. Like, he shot really well in the playoffs last year. And, yeah, was Bellinelli great versus Boston? No. Was he getting picked on defensively? Yes. Will he probably get picked on even more now because he's two years older? Yes. I don't really care. Like, what is Korkmaz or Bolden going to do in the playoffs? Like, I don't care about roster spots. Um, and versus Miami, he was a, he was great. And that's a playoff series, and they were one of the ten, the top. They were a top eight defense that year, I think, um, statistically. And he was great. You know, it's just Boston had a lot of creators, but like in the East, like I don't really worry about him if they had to play Milwaukee. I don't know. They need someone. And I'm sure they'll get one. Like, there's always guys. Really would have loved Wayne Ellington, but he signed for a lot of money. So, yeah, that's really the only concern I have. And then, you know, I wish they had a little bit, tiny, tiny bit more creation. We'll see if they actually let Tobias do his Clippers things. Um, Because I really think Tobias and B pick and rolls can be kind of nice. And I think they're going to, they're going to work it, work it a little bit more. So yeah, that's that's the preseason talk and any concerns. Um, do is there anything else? I, I'm Wednesday is going to be really interesting, and you know they haven't won a, a season opener in six years since 2013 when uh, Michael Carter Williams almost dropped a quadruple dub on the Heatles, which was just hilarious, and. You know, it doesn't matter at the end of the day if you win your first game or not. But it would be nice for once to, one, one, say we're 500 on the first day of the season, or over 500 the first day of the season. That'd be great. Two, it's Boston. And we all hate them so much. And I'm glad they finally gave us a freaking home game. It's been three years since that. And I know it's just, you know, the, the rotation of the schedule and stuff. But, like, it's more fun to be at home. So, I think the Sixers are going to win. And that's not a hot take. The Sixers are, like, you know, a lot of people take, picking them to win the championship. So I don't think it's that crazy. But, you know, Boston's given them issues, but a lot of that was Horford. And he's one of us now. So. But I do think there's going to be one moment of chirpiness between Embiid and Canner, Embiid and Smart. That's going to get people riled up, and Celtics fans are going to go nuts on Twitter, and Sixers fans are just going to meme it out because we're better. Um and that'll be fun. I do worry about like a Kemba explosion or like Hayward or one of the wings going off a little bit. But I think it'll be fun. And I really want Ben to shoot just once. Even if he's not going to shoot that much during the season, um, just just one. Just make one, please. That'd be, mm, that'd, be, that'd be so fulfilling if his first official, the official official three is versus Boston. 
and I've I've held my tongue a lot about the Sixers and about their rivals in the last year because it really I know it doesn't matter because I'm just you know I don't believe in like jinxes and stuff but I was so so cocky after the Miami series especially when Boston went seven with the Bucks like the Bucks sucked um, other than Giannis even Giannis wasn't what he is now at that point and man we just looked so good and Celtics just whooped us and even after the first two games I was still way too confident. And then it's just, you know, it was a big letdown. So then last year, this all this, the struggles of the Boston, I just, I held my tongue. I, I, I didn't want to jinx anything. And it worked out because the Celtics flamed out and they sucked the whole year, which is just chef kiss. That was just beautiful. But, uh, and I, I kind of want to do the same thing with Milwaukee this year, but there is a part of me, like, as the summer went on, I'm kind of just like, man, who is going to stop the Sixers in the East? I don't think it's going to be Milwaukee. They got worse, and the Sixers played them well last year. And they beat them when Giannis had, like, a 50-point game, and they should have beaten them the last game of the season when Giannis had, like, 40. So, like, I'm not worried about Giannis going off. And, you know, like, the, 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 the one absolute unit with shooters around them, you know, it works for most of the season. It works against pretty much every team, but in the playoffs, you need that reliable guy. And maybe the Sixers don't even have it yet. I think Embiid is a Embiid's a better shooter than Giannis, which one is hilarious and two is is important because Embiid can at least hit mid ranges and if you found him, Embiid's Embiid shot reportedly uh, I haven't I saw this on Twitter and I haven't gone through the box scores he shot twenty nine of thirty three in preseason from the free throw line you know he's he's been around eighty percent his whole career which is really underrated like he's set, he's seven feet tall. And he's a great free throw shooter, and he gets fouled a million times a game, which is like, oh my god, that's just... You know, Giannis lost them game four, or game three last year because he couldn't make free throws. If they would have won that, they would be in the finals, and they would have beaten the Warriors. Like, and B would have made those free throws. That's all I'm saying. And I, I mean, Middleton's fine. Middleton's like Tobias. Like, you know, he's prone to a bad game. He, I think he has a bit more of like a... Like, when he goes off, he really goes off for, like, 40. Like, I think Tobias is more of a consistent, like, 25 to 30 guy at it when he's really feeling it. Um, and I like Chris Milton just because he's whooped Boston for two straight years. But Bledsoe is terrible in the playoffs the last two years. He's been, he, he was sprinting up the court and, like, freaking out with the ball versus Toronto. Like, George Hill was outplaying him handily. And George Hill's kind of washed. Not really. George Hill's still fine. But, you know, Bledsoe is supposed to be like a top 10 to 12 point guard and he's he was struggling big time and then Miritich didn't do anything and Brooke Lopez like yeah it's cute that Brooke Lopez is taking like 30 footers in the regular season and making them pretty well but he's so streaky and like I don't want to rely on that and he's so you know he came up as like a post guy and he still has in his bag but he's not as fluid I don't think um, as he used to be so then like but then there's always the thing, like, Giannis could get it one, he can get better, and two, he's just so dominant that all I'm saying is I don't want, I think the Sixers are going to make the finals, but I'm not, I'm holding my tongue for now. I had to see them play. Like, the Sixers have, like, two good shooters on the whole team, two shooters that will play in the playoffs. You know, maybe that, like, four, I guess, but that might not be enough. You never know. And our, our best player has never played more than 64 games, and 
couldn't stay healthy last year when they really needed him. Like, I'm, I, there's, it's not like the Sixers are flawless. But it is easily the most excited I've ever been about the Sixers. And I think that's where I'm going to wrap up today because season has, I mean, we haven't seen any real, real, real basketball yet. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I do think I'll be updating this, I don't know, probably once or twice a week. Um, obviously, if any big things happen, I'll hop on the mic and give my take. Maybe I'll have my friend. I only have one. You know, I have friends from back home, but that's I wouldn't. I don't think they'd be interested in doing a podcast. And then I have one friend from Florida that I kind of you know grew up with in my later, you know, high school years and stuff that follows the Sixers. Um, but he doesn't live in Florida at the moment, and uh, be kind of tough to coordinate. But you know, I'll, I'll have someone on eventually because I know you don't want to hear me talk about myself for an hour. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. If you've listened to the whole thing, I appreciate it. Um, again, I'm just trying to have fun with this. It's not, I'm serious, but I am going to, you know, I'm going to put work into it. Like I'm not going to, you know, half-heart it. I just, uh, just, it's supposed to be light. It's supposed to be fun. It's basketball. That's all it is. All right. So thank you for listening. And I'm going to sign off now. <laughs>